Hello, and welcome to The Real Folk Reviews. I'm Samuel, and I first saw Toys in the Attic about 15 years ago. And I'm Georgie, and I first watched this episode about five hours ago. Okay, three, two, one, let's jam. So, Georgie, how did you feel when you found out this was the last episode of Cowboy Bebop? Well, surprised. Mm. Um, yeah, and, and I mean, the, the only reason that I would know that is based on watching the preview of the following episode voiceover. Yep. Otherwise, I wouldn't have thought it was the last episode. Mm. Yeah, so it was helpful of Ed to tell us that, wasn't it? And Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed doing the show with me. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, we've blocked out more time in our calendars, you know, it was that just to throw me off the scent? Yeah, I didn't want it to come as a surprise. Mm. And uh, I think it was it was nice of Netflix to play along by putting up 15 other episodes with fabricated stills and titles. Yeah, that uh, was very good of them. Yeah. yeah. That'd be a, a great conspiracy theory, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thankfully, that's not quite the case. And there is just a little bit more of this show to go. Mm-hmm. Well, thankfully, or miserably depending on your opinion of this podcast <laughs> i mean my, my opinion of it has been growing as we've gone along which i think is the the right way to go i did say of this podcast rather than of cowboy people oh that's true i mean yeah. it, both is apply. that true <laughs> 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 uh yeah getting on to the start of the episode yeah we have a something rustling Yes. Yes. I had to uh, check the picture settings on my screen just initially to make sure. Is it just that the brightness is charged too low down here or is it just a really dark sequence? And it is a really dark sequence. But when you Mm. turn the brightness up, there's a bit more red tint going on. Um, Yeah. And so my initial thoughts were, oh, we're inside someone's intestines. It does kind of have that feel to it, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. A bit of a colonoscopy vibe. (laughs) (laughs) Or endoscopy. I probably actually that. Yeah. In, in either case, it's the same tube, just different ends. Mm. <laughs> yeah, Could so be I, either. Yeah. It made me think of, yes. have you heard of Inner Space? No, I it's, don't think I have. It's a film from, I want to say, like the 80s. And it's a sci-fi thing where they shrink down this ship to go inside someone's body. Mm. And I can't remember why they do that. But yeah, that's what I was thinking about, was, was being inside someone's body because of all the red tint. We also are seeing a rat running through the tubes yeah which initially seems like that could be the monster rather than the thing chasing the rat but yes it's only a very short sequence before yeah. the title card comes up with that little kind of musical sting to yes and then we're straight on to jet's voiceover his captain's log if you will mm. talking about how we're all quite bored we don't have any jobs right now but that's how freelance life goes. And we see shots of people sprawled around the bebop or laziness, like Ed's draped over something, Iron's passed out somewhere, and the only things moving really are like the fan rotating or yeah. smoke coming up from the cigarette. Yeah, yeah. And and then we go to what they're uh, trying to do to relieve their boredom, which appears to be strip poker. Yep. Yep. Um, strip, just strip dice. Well, oh, yeah, I don't... not poker, strip 
uh, yeah, strip dice rolling. I don't know the name of that game. One doesn't get the impression, though, that it started out as strip this, given that Faye is sitting by a pile of all Jet's possessions. Yes, this is true. But yeah, because we just we just see Jet mostly naked, gambling his last item of clothing away mm. to Faye. And then we have this little collection of things that we see. His, his bonsai tree. Yeah. Oh, that's quite sad. He loves his bonsai tree. He does. We quite often see him tending to it. And actually, while they're playing with dice, we just get a little shot of Spike doing some interesting cooking. Yes, interesting, a... but not effective. No, no, with a flamethrower, which I understand when you're bored. That's that's what happens, really, isn't it? Here's, here's a boring task. I'm going to try and liven this up. This is why Georgie cannot get insurance on any property in which she lives. Is that not what you do when you get bored? What, flamethrower things? Yeah. No. No? How about fire extinguisher things? Well, I don't usually need to because I haven't set them on fire in the first place. Yeah, but you could separate the two activities quite successfully and I think then you've got two boredom-relieving ideas. Just a thought. Mm. If you've got a day. Life hacks. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, we've got Spike flamethrowing some kebabs and walking in with them and a pair of boxes floating down across his face. Yep. Yep, I'm glad that we weren't given any more visuals of Jet, even pelvis up. The rest is left to our imaginations. Yeah. Fine, good job. That's that's plenty. Yeah. And we get a lesson from Jet. What did you think of... Well, shall I read it out? Or Yeah, go for it. Tell me what you think. Humans are meant to work and sweat to earn a living. Those that try to get rich quick or live at the expense Hold of... Hold on, sorry to interrupt, but could you please do a Jet impression? Uh... Sure. (laughs) Humans are meant to work and sweat to earn a living. (laughs) Much better. (laughs) Those that try to get rich quick or live at the expense of others all get divine retribution somewhere along the line. That is the lesson. (laughs) I mean, I I enjoyed the lesson. I think my favourite part of the lesson was what came directly after when he says that. Unfortunately, we quickly forget the lessons we've learned and then we have to learn them all over again. That's my jet black impression. Uh, uh, don't quit your day job of acting. Yeah, shame, isn't it? <laughs> um, I mean, normally I'm not employed to, to voice over male characters. I was about to be not employed to be male characters, but actually that happens on a fairly frequent basis with... But I don't, I don't think anyone would say that Jet Black was the part you were born to play. No, no. <laughs> yeah, in, in a number of ways, I, I would say. I mean, obviously I've got the physical build. Uh, yeah. But but the rest, you know, the facial hair is where I'll struggle most. I but you could just cut all the hair off the top of your head and sellotape it. it to your face. Mm, it's a good thought. Mm. Yeah, I'll have a go at that later. But sliding right back into the lesson that Jet has provided us with, I yep. think it, that has to be our Jet Black Space Dad moment, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's the most traditional lesson. Yeah, so yeah. Now, children, gather round. I have a second which we'll get to very shortly anyway. Okay, I'll yeah. pinch this one and you can have yeah. whatever your later yeah, one is. Yeah, I'll have the other one so I can be unique and different. Hooray! Um, <laughs> but yeah, so they the lessons definitely get less traditional as they go along. <laughs> yes, his um, is definitely the most universally understood as a lesson. Yeah. Is, you know, be good to people and don't try and cheat your way to success. Ofsted is the most likely to approve this lesson of yes, the four we're presenting. I think that is accurate also. Our American listeners don't have any idea who Ofsted are. They are the independent regulator of educational establishments in England. 
I know that because of one of my other jobs. Anyway, for reasons I don't know, when we are being told this lesson, Jet walks into this random little storage yeah. room. No idea why he goes in there. I think he's just looking for anything he can use to cover his naked body. You think? Okay. He's yeah. just looking for... Right, right. Fair that's, enough. I mean, that's what I assumed. Yeah. Seems like he's gone quite a distance to get to that room. Hmm. I don't know. And then just huddles in the dark in, in a blanket. What did you think of the way the Bebop looked in this episode? Like the interior spaces? Um, What did I think of the interior spaces? We definitely got a lot more of the shabby feeling of the inside of the ship but also the mechanical workings of it there were mm. a lot more we saw you know an airlock being opened and closed and rooms filled with leftover boxes of things that haven't been touched in years and and there's also a brief exterior shot where you see bebop written on the outside of it that looks like it's been graffitied there and also the the kind of the rotor thing i don't know what the function of it is but it's constantly turning that you can see from the exterior of the ship it's like the full diameter of the ship i think theoretically that's supposed to be what generates the gravity because uh. that that's how you generate artificial gravity in space is by rotation oh okay that makes sense uh. right to mimic how a, a big gravitational pull thing would rotate i assume so I, I don't know enough about the science i just know that's yeah, how you I do think, it because it's, it's just it's centripetal force on a huge scale or that pulls you into the center so, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And the fact that it's that rotating thing that we see that they physically have to jump through and around as they travel to either side of it in the ship was interesting. Yes, yeah, and you kind of see later on how the doors connect from the non-rotating sections of the ship through to the rotating ring thing. Yeah. I also, that storage room was unnecessarily dark. <laughs> a lot of the spaces that aren't the familiar spaces we've seen seem to be very dimly and dingily lit yeah well apart from that room what else was dingily lit the ducts that they go up to and crawl around in just some of the corridors like the room where spike sets the auto navigation later it was all very okay. dark yeah because i mean as far as being in an, in an air duct is concerned i wouldn't expect that to be well lit Doesn't okay no to be fair a enough traversed part of a structure no unless you're a, a creepy monster creature that we that doesn't appear to have eyes so it probably wouldn't mind the low lighting no that's true yeah i think it's probably navigating by um i don't know could be anything really. by sludge feel by smell sludge feel by sludge feel just to get this off the table now have you seen any of the alien films i've seen bits of some of them i can't remember a whole lot but i was reminded of them from okay. watching this episode yes yeah okay so yeah the, i think the darkness of the ship and just kind of the empty corridoriness of a lot of the time we spend yeah, definitely yeah. adds adds to that feeling yeah and it definitely is it's, it's hitting those classic monster movie traits mm. in lots of ways and yeah the space equivalent of a monster movie that we see in lots of lots of franchises like alien mm. and predator and all those kind of things where you have that that creeping hulking figure yeah, and a sense of being watched from mm. the side. And not, I mean, in Alien as well, you don't see the creature very much in Alien. No. You only ever see it for kind of brief seconds as it attacks. Yeah, and... all prior to the, the CGI movement when they yes. were going a lot more on suspense and not seeing the actual bad guy until, well, yeah, you might never see them really in some cases, do you? You'd see them in glimpses always. Yeah. Yeah. Or a bit, an arm or something will appear. Yeah. So we have um, Jet in this in this back 
room Hmm. um and then we get again that point of view of something crawling around with that red tint oh yeah and then we immediately jump back over to spike and faye briefly yes yep to converse on how how much faye has been swindling yes do you want faye's lesson Ah, yes, of course, it is Phase Lesson now. Jet's one is near identical in the dub and sub, but Phase one differs a bit. So, in the dub, Phase says, Survival of the fittest is the law of the land. We deceive or we are deceived. Thus, Sorry, I just realised I'd let you get this far and not do a Faye impression. Survival of the fittest <laughs> is the law of nature. We deceive or we are deceived. Thus, we flourish or perish. Nothing good ever happened to me when I trusted others. That is the lesson. Thank you. <laughs> you going to have a go? Do you want to read out what she says in the sub, actually? Oh, yeah, I'll sure. I'll pass okay. it to you. Okay, yeah, pass, pass it over. Uh, not that this will... I, I assume you're not going to do an impression of Megumi Hayashibara. Oh, yeah, that would be a struggle, I think. Yeah, because it is a very different... The, the tone you get of the English... Actor, actor's voice and the Japanese actor's voice there uh, there is a strong tonal shift that I think exists in well just generally I think Japanese women's voices that you get through these kind of mediums tend to be a lot more high pitched and a bit yes. more bouncy I don't know um, whereas the English version is, is a bit more low and mellow and a bit more sexy Very as far sultry, as, as, far as yeah. we're concerned that's the sexy version anyway um, so I'm reading the dub one no the sub one sub one okay Survival of the fittest is the law of the land. To fool and be fooled is the reason we live. I've never had anything good happen to me when I trust others. That's the lesson. Yeah, I think you might have handled that one a little bit better than me. <laughs> well, we're taking turns, and that, that's that's reasonable. What did you think of this overall before we look at the differences? Her lesson? Yeah. I thought it was very fake. It lacks the gravity of Jet's one because Jet's one is is I guess the one that we all would say yeah that seems reasonable mm. whereas whereas Faye's like don't trust people like yeah. the whole point of life is to beat everyone else at the game rather than be friends with people it, it definitely made sense for Faye um, but yeah the, the lessons as you say get less and less worth paying attention to <laughs> you go along this one definitely talks about Faye's mentality yes although i'd say this one still does feel fairly you could see a scene in another film where like an older woman pulls aside a younger woman starting in her career or something and says this to them as kind of this this is listen kid this is what you need to uh, know that's interesting because i would actually think of it as being a female character who's very sure in themselves and mm. like this obviously this is what life is supposed to be like and then through the course of a film they, they meet someone who redeems their impression of people and that then at the end of the movie they'd be like i was wrong yeah no that's very plausible too yeah, yeah. i think we've all we've all seen that movie yeah <laughs> But I found the the difference that I found interesting in the dub versus the sub is, so the second bit in the dub, she says, we deceive or we are deceived, thus we flourish or perish. And then in the sub, she says, to fool and be fooled is the reason we live, mm. which they're not completely different. But I find the English one is kind of we deceive or we are deceived. That's dividing everyone into two categories as like prey or predators, as it mm-hmm. were. Um and the, the only outcomes are you win or you die, we flourish or perish. Yeah. It's a lovely turn of phrase. 
But then the Japanese one, to fool and be fooled is the reason we live. I mean, it's still fairly bleak as a worldview, but I don't know. What Do you think that's different substantially? I think I, I see what you're saying. Because um, when, when you were initially, when we were comparing the two, just reading them out, it was hard for me to hear exactly what was different because they are very similar really mm. in, in the overall message definitely but i do see what you mean yeah and there's something about yeah the one about we live to be fooled or yeah say, say that bit again we to live. fool or be fooled is the reason we live mm. so because that feels like it could be more of a statement of people do that without even thinking that they're doing it that's just yeah. that is the way that people are that we are all acting we're all pretending to be a certain way, a certain person, depending on what we want from people in, in life. And that is, yeah, I think that's closer to a perspective of the world that you could understand. Yeah. And and feels more true, I would say, compared to the one where, yeah, where, where it's just, if you get fooled, you're going to die. Yes. It's, <laughs> it's a bit less unsympathetic as well. It's almost like the being fooled is as much a part of the reason we live as the fooling. So... It's kind of like maybe what I've done to Jet isn't necessarily a bad thing, not because it's what I had to do, but because it's it's all part of the experience of living. Yeah, yeah, and and I think there's more of a self-gratulating self-awareness to the fact that I just know that's how the world works, mm. as opposed to yeah, a slightly more manipulative, aggressive way of fooling people, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. So anyway, she she delivers her lesson, and then Spike comes in brushing his teeth, which I thought was a nice touch, mm, um, yeah. and has a quick interchange with Faye saying, so how much did you get? Yeah, well, you think you're doing a good job, but really it's just because he didn't realise that you were cheating with your special bangle that makes the dice roll exactly how you want them to. And that Faye, capitalising on the lesson we've just learned, says seeing but, through the cheat is part of the skill. Yes. Yeah. And the fact that Jet didn't see through it, well, that's his fault, not mine. Yeah. But very quickly, we, we move from that to hearing the alarm go off and both Spike and Faye run to the source of the alarm and find Jet on the floor of the dark storage room and says that he was bitten by something that came out of the fridge. And, well, Spike and Faye don't really take him seriously. They see a rat crawling around and just be like, you got bit by a rat. Yeah. Wow, you have really, really over-dramatised the situation. Let's go back to being really bored. <laughs> I'd be more sympathetic to someone who got bitten by a rat. That sound that would suck, you know. Yeah, yeah. And uh. to be fair, Spike does then sit with him and help him find something to help with the the wound that he has gained. Yeah. With his box of herbal remedies, mm -hmm. which is an odd choice for for uh, Spike's character. I thought. Why? Why do you think it's odd? Um, because, well, for one thing, I just didn't expect him to have a box of herbal remedies. It just didn't mm. seem like a thing that he would care to collect. And then the things that he has collected are extremely esoteric things that, unless he was planning on selling them again, they don't seem to have been a useful purchase, really. <laughs> no. Well, uh, well, I, mean, I guess he might say, oh, it's coming in useful now. That's true. Yeah, grind up some dead... Newt. Gecko, yeah, and uh, yeah, or scorpion. You or know, scorpion. choose your poison because yep. they're probably both poison. Let's oh be yeah, honest. well, most medicines are poisons if you have enough of them. That's true. Um, and yes, and and is kind enough to fashion jet with a delicious concoction of of pulped gecko. And this is the bit where I would have my jet black space dad, mm -hmm. where he's being presented with the options by Spike and is shown the little gecko and says, "Isn't there something more?" you know, 
different. And that just reminds me of slightly older men who are reluctant to try new things. Mm. <laughs> and they'd really like something that's recognisable and comfortable. Yeah. And very nervous at the prospect of trying that there's no garlic in this is there no exactly yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. and my my grandfather was like that yeah mine yeah. too <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly so yeah that's the energy i got from that was someone who's just i don't try new things can i have something different <laughs> sounds yeah. like a very polite way of saying absolutely not <laughs> i think we can perhaps understand jet's reluctance here a bit though oh yeah it was just it was just the choice of wording i think and yeah. it was the same in both the sub and the dub Mm. Yeah, isn't there something more, you know, different? different. Yeah, <laughs> not not what you're giving me, please. <laughs> but then the other option he's given it is worse, and he goes with the crushed green gecko. Well, mm. it's actually a red gecko, and then the the resulting concoction is green. Mm. Maybe Spike put some basil in it or something to try and make it less disgusting. Yeah. But it clearly didn't work, given that it's yeah. letting off he, a foul. He, hey, he could have spiked it to make it taste better. <laughs> ha 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 ha! <laughs> hey. Ha. Hey. All right. Uh, that joke was about as appealing as the concoction. Yeah, sorry. I knew I couldn't get a fay with it. I'll jet off now. <sighs> I in a moment. Can we... <laughs> okay, I'm done, I'm done, luckily, I'm done. Luckily, I can edit all of these out. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think I will mention at this point that this is where I wrote down in my notes. So we've had jet doing his voiceover we've had Faye doing her voiceover and i was like okay so i'm seeing there's a sequence here we're gonna get other characters popping in and i was like when's eins i want eins voiceover as soon as possible because that's gonna be my favorite and i never got one i'm sorry i know it would have been funny and really i think it should have been eins because we were being given them in order of the people who got infected and i and i think that should have been eins time mm. But anyway, that's fine. My disappointments are, are expected. <sighs> I'm sorry. Maybe it's because Ayn has too clear an idea of what's going on to give his own lesson. Because he immediately starts barking at the fridge when yes. they're like, hmm, is there anything about this fridge? Nah, it's not worth thinking about. Yeah, that, yeah and we get Ayn yeah, barking through a few scenes and yes. the ca other characters just being like, Ayn, shut up. And it's one of those, as a viewer, you're going, oh man, characters are stupid. Yeah, they definitely all have horror movie stupidity yeah. in this episode, the yeah. characters. Very much. Um, so we should probably mention, Jet collapses. Oh, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, the... uh, yes, having taken the concoction, he seems to collapse almost as a result of that. But then we see the pulsing purple wound on the back of his neck. Yeah. Where he said earlier he had been bitten. Spike starts investigating what this might be. Yep. Um, with his... Uh, Database of infectious or diseased cells, mm. comparing it to the example of what he has from Jet's wound. And yeah, and, and can't find the right one, but manages to make an invalid Jet who can still hear even more anxious about the possibilities of what could be wrong with him. They can't figure it out, but Ed figures it out immediately. Yeah. The attack of the horrible space alien! Yay! Spooky! There we go. We've got our impression in before we even got to the lesson. <laughs> I'm warming up. How... Getting ready for this one. Oh, just one thing to double back to quickly, mm. and then we'll get back to Ed. Um, up until the point where Jack collapses, did you notice anything unusual musically about this episode? Oh, um, I guess that there isn't any. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, up until that, there's like one very brief sting when the title card comes up, 
and then it's only when jet collapses that we you kind of get the eerie drone sort of thing and yeah in this episode we get very little music yeah um, very little original music yes yeah yeah how did that affect your viewing would you say um i hadn't actually noticed i hadn't consciously thought about that until you just asked me and then i was like oh yeah but i suppose it fits with the genre of this episode that we had more of that that quiet Mm. periods so that you can have the little jump scares and unnerving noises that are interrupting the quiet oh yes so you noticed all the Mm. i'd say almost the ship noises and the mechanical noises none like you know yeah. the rustling of the creature they're almost the soundtrack to this episode more than any music is yeah yeah it's yeah it's making me wonder if if the the composer was wasn't around for this episode or for some reason they they had a falling out for this episode could be i don't know i think i'd be more inclined to think it's a deliberate choice to uh, yes yes I, but given how as we've talked about extensively already and and people will know if they're fans of the show that the music is such a huge part of it. Yeah. That to have an episode that is really stark on that is unusual. It's unusual in lots of ways, this episode, because it's got there's no planet, there's no bounty, there's no people other than our characters on the ship. Mm. We we've had they've been chatting, trying to figure out what what this thing is that might have attacked Jet, and they can't find the right thing. And Ed well is jumping around saying it's a space alien and that spike and Faye aren't convinced that that's the answer at the moment but ed has put the idea out there yes and um, neither of them can come up with anything better particularly no yeah and then ed and i'm uh bonding a bit over this over <laughs> the fact they're both right yes exactly <laughs> yeah the ein is is barking fairly insistently and ed is going yeah see you think it's spooky too effectively just cooing at Ein. Yes, so Faye, playing into the horror movie stupidity, <laughs> decides that this would be an absolutely fantastic time to wander off and have a bath oh, on yes, her own. Yes, <laughs> and, and of course, this is also Georgie's feminist gripe of the episode. Da, 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 da. Exactly. I felt it should have its own theme music. <laughs> so, you, so you've provided it with your own vocals rather than going in search of a, a ditty for me. Fine, I understand. <sighs> The patriarchy continues continues to have effect. Anyway, yeah, I, I won't I won't sit on the on the point. Just put, putting it out there, and then we move on. Yeah. So Faye's having a bath, and she notices a bit of a weird noise, and then we get a close up of her foot dangling out of of the bath, and then we cut back to Spike abruptly, yeah. again in in classic horror movie fashion. Yeah, with the eerie music kind of hanging under it as Faye. Now, finally deciding to take the situation seriously, comes out in her dressing gown, kind of eyes wide with terror. Mm. Well, just before that, though, we have Spike testing out the heat sensing goggles. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah. With the help of, well, I say help of um, <laughs> Ed, who is helping to test if it works. And then just as Spike is saying, okay, if you could just stay there while I look through the goggles and check, and then immediately runs off following Ein down a corridor and it separates the party as is also important in a horror movie and then Faye 
arrives in her dressing gown. Oh yeah, but we also see the rustling of what looks like a glitch on the camera of the space creature moving across the floor. Yes, and well, of course, and the viewers are going, no, of course, that's not a glitch. That's yes. the monster. Spike's like, huh? Must be faulty. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't quite say it in that voice, but <laughs> he should. Did you find this episode scary? Just wondering. No. Okay. Do you know why not? <laughs> There's a lot of the context around it that prevents you from being that concerned. Like, most of the characters are taking this quite... They're not taking it all that seriously a lot of the time. So Faye has just been bitten, and her response to being bitten is incredibly melodramatic and, yes. and over the top. More, much more so in the English dub, I will say, compared to the Japanese. I think the Japanese was a bit... You could feel a bit more... Sympathy. Um, sympathy yeah. with her. But in the English one, she is literally, oh, woe is me. Oh, what have I done to deserve this? And then collapses yeah. on the floor. So you can't take her seriously when she's doing that. So no, no I was not scared for her. <laughs> no, and uh, and I think Ed's being aware of what's going on and not being scared of it at all also leads you to not be scared of it either. Just yeah. like her going basically, oh, this is the horror movie episode. Yes, it was <laughs> It was like that, to be honest. Yeah, it's just, I, oh, okay, I know which genre we're in this week. Cool, got it. But also there would be a stereotype of the character who's not taking it seriously, mm. which you can then be sitting there going, no, you fool, why aren't you looking at the signs? But yes, in this instance, there wasn't enough to make you genuinely scared. But usually the character who's not taking it seriously is the one who believes the threat isn't what it is. Yeah. Whereas in this one, yes. it's the one who knows what it is and doesn't care. That's true. Um. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's taking absolute delight wandering around and throwing open doors and going, are you in here, monster? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Never mind that you've taken out two fully grown combat capable adults. I mean, she doesn't know fine. about Faye. No, that's true. She doesn't because she runs off. Yeah. <laughs> to give her lesson. Yes, to give her lesson. Right, okay, here we go. After you. Lesson, lesson. If you see a stranger, follow him. <laughs> Terrible lesson. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but very on brand for uh, Ed. Yes. Uh, it's, it's clearly just the first thing that's come into her head. Yes. Like most of the things she says. Literally the opposite of stranger danger. One of the rules that we all get taught as children. Mm. Stay away from strange people. I guess it also it fits into her characterization as doing things that will make her life interesting, but with absolutely no concept of fear. Like mm. It's a fairly strange thing to want to do, to sign up to be on the bebop and be constantly in a situation where you're chasing violent criminals yes. as a 13-year-old child. Yes. I mean, yeah. But trying to understand the motives of Ed feels unnecessary, you know. Mm. <laughs> she's just a force of nature yes so yeah she wanders off on her own and looks around and then ein who has been fairly sensible up to this point in this episode wanders off on his own well yes presumably following a scent mm. yeah probably yeah yeah and ed just kind of watched him go like where are you going Ayn? it's like you could catch up to him he's just walking yeah. you don't need to let him go <laughs> he Which, could <laughs> also a classic <laughs> horror movie thing you know you could just stop them Yep. Yeah, you've got all the time in the world. Just just go and get them. But but yes, Ayn wanders off and yeah, eventually we see them going down an air duct. But just in between that, we see some shots of Faye and Jet laid out on mm. their various stretchers. Mm. And then Spike 
searching for Ed and Ayn and just yeah, being being a frustrated uncle, I would say. Yep. <laughs> We're not playing hide and seek for God's sake. There's a reason I didn't get into parenting. Yeah. But we do actually see Ayn getting attacked as well. We kind of see the creature spreading its tendrils over Ayn. Yeah. Poor Ayn. As usual. Ayn's pain is the one that's felt the most by the viewers Yep. <laughs> compared to any other human or being that, that might experience any pain. We all care more about the corgi. And then Spike hears Ayn yelp, I mm. believe. Yes. Yeah. And... and then uses his goggles to locate Ayn being above him in the air duct and goes up into it and finds poor Ayn lying mm. on the floor. Spike identifies the, the creature kind of scrolling around and seems to realise for the first time that's what it is. Because yep. it does a bit of an initial, what's going? Oh, oh no. <laughs> <And> starts <laughs> running away. Yeah. The music that plays in this piece is also not original to the show. It's by Krzysztof Penderecki, who's like a modernist Polish composer. And it's from a piece called Utrenia, the first part of which is about the entombment of Christ. Right. Uh, just thought that was interesting like it's I mean it's only a, a few seconds but th th this is the very high dissonant drone kind of thing that you first hear as as the creature is coming towards Spike and then you later hear it when he has his realisation right um, okay and yeah it's a very th that's probably the most actually unnerving thing in the episode is the use of that music cue I, I found yeah yeah and actually because after that bit when Spike collects Ein and runs away he gets it a bit um a bit action hero. Oh, yes. Yeah, he gets a bit Steven Seagal, a bit Tom Cruise, uh, gathers up his weapons. A bit Ripley, of course. A bit Ripley. Yes, I, of course. Yeah. Of course. And yeah, I guess this is probably where the alien references are the most explicit because like the, the little motion detector thing that he has mm -hmm. is from aliens pretty much and mm. the use of the flamethrower, that's what they use in the first alien film. Yeah. Try but, saying flamethrower three times fast. Flamethrower, flamethrower, flamethrower. Oh, fine. Flamethrower, flamethrower, flamethrower. Well done. You got there in the end. Uh, no, I didn't. Um, You're just mollycoddle. Okay, fine. You suck. <laughs> oh, we went the opposite direction real fast. <laughs> but yeah, we, anyway, we, we see Spike arming himself considerably. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Just after this, you get a Dutch angle shot of the bebop. Usually when you see ships in space, you, they're usually pictured straight on. But here it's pictured tilted which obviously in space there is no up or down so you could shoot ships like that all the time but it gives a sense of it being kind of uncrewed at this point and just drifting on mm, its own yeah actually we've gone way past it but there was a moment that i noticed um because quite often i've with watching other episodes there are moments when the illustrators have really gone out of their way to create an interesting shot even mm. if it's only a few seconds long and the one that stuck out for me in this one was when i'm um, just after jet has been bitten and we get Faye walking down alongside the big rotor for a brief period of time mm -hmm. and there's a shot where it's it's moving in on her but then because of the direction of the rotor moving in the opposite direction it creates this really cool perspective shot of her face which is also a very horror thing to do there's you know there's a lot of shooting up at people or down at people from weird angles that kind of gives you a sense of them being watched and yeah. weird uncanny you're very aware of the camera work in this one, mm. um, which is in a good way. So Spike kind of locks and loads, then just <laughs> takes that last little bite out of the kebab to see if it's any good. <laughs> it is not. Yeah, on the end of what turns out to be a, a sword, 
like yeah, I a think it's just foil. Yeah, it does look like a foil. Yeah, maybe yeah. it is that. Yeah, and he's just using it as that. He doesn't seem to cook using any of the implements that somebody who knows how to cook would use. To yeah, cook. well, I mean, the fact that he's cooking at all in this episode is is an aberration because normally we see Jet doing the cooking. Yes, so. and we discovered that's for a reason. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he arms himself and then launches into his search of the ship and finds, well, sees through his goggles mm. this thing approaching and just starts, and this is where it gets really American action hero, throwing mm. any missile he can at it. He shoots like a net gun that fails and then he throws a couple of smoke bombs at it, which does make it easier to see for a brief period of time. And then he jumps out of a hatch. Um, Locks it behind. I get the impression he's the smoke bombs were just kind of, I'm overwhelmed, I'm going to go and get my bearings for a second and mm-hmm. then, then come back. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, closes the hatch rapidly behind him and the smoke stays perfectly within its, you know, it, within the compartment. It doesn't enter anywhere else. Yeah, very considerate. Yeah, it? yeah. And then, because he's feeling stressed, bless him, he um, reaches for a cigarette and the only thing to light it with is the flamethrower. And yeah, that was a fun little moment. But that, Yeah, that's one of the funniest moments, I think, <laughs> in the whole show. Yeah, because most of the cigarette just disintegrates. <laughs> <laughs> it's just his face looking like, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> this is, yeah, this is definitely a day where nothing goes right for anyone. No, not really. Yeah, and he's got, he's got a bit of an oral fixation, hasn't he? Like seeing the toothbrush in his mouth earlier and mm. biting things whenever he can. And obviously the cigarette is in his mouth most of the time. And we've, and we've talked as well about him just putting random, like in Honky Tonk Women, where he swallows the chip and stuff yes. he likes. Yes, he does. His mouth is not a sacred space. <laughs> uh. Yeah, so so he attempts to um, calm himself with a cigarette briefly, but then gathers himself and jumps back into the smoky corridor. And then we just see an empty screen for a few seconds. And then he jumps right back out of the smoke like a proper action hero, running away from the monster. Mm. We have no idea what happens in those few seconds where he's in there, though. No, that's true. Well, I guess we know... He's defeated because he's running from the thing. So whatever he was jumped in to try to do, it's obviously failed. And now he's just running for his life and shooting over his shoulder. Yeah, I suppose. Because well, I also wondered if it was to lure it out in some way. I guess it could be, yeah. Yeah. Because then they're in this clo- enclosed corridor mm. where, yeah, as you say, he shoots at it several times and misses and then gets the flamethrower out and manages to make contact and really, really barbecues it. Yes, which doesn't kill it. And then it's it's twitching. That's that's yeah the second grossest moment in the episode. I think we know what the grossest moment is. <laughs> <laughs> it's just kind of going like this little horrible twitching movement. Of, yeah, I think we've all like accidentally trodden on an insect and seen it not quite dead. Oh. And, yeah, um, but yeah, and then he he scorches it a second time, and then it seems to be dead. And goes over and smells the resulting, uh, you know. <laughs> burger um yep. and is like oh that's a familiar smell and that's when we get his voiceover kick in yeah and and has a very dramatic opening and that's when i remembered everything yes which is very film noir as well i thought oh yes definitely yeah the dark secret of this episode yes is that he bought a lobster yep. and forgot about it <laughs> so to back up we have a moment where he realizes this is what he remembers what's causing all of this and he returns to the same storage room where Jet was bitten Mm. and it's a fridge that he hid a very nice lobster in so that no one else would eat it and then forgot about it. And then 
he opens the fridge very slowly. Hmm. And then what's what you see is really confusing. <laughs> and confusing, would you? Yeah. Well, so he talks about a lobster. Hmm. You never see a lobster. No. So is it that he's he starts opening the door and we start seeing the insides of, of it and and there's lots of this like gummy stuff and then is it that we just don't see what he sees because he seems to open it quite far and then closes it but all you really see is like I don't know what it is like yeah coral looking stuff on the shelves oh, and... I, I was definitely really that's fungus right like fungus. various fran- fronds of fungus I I thought. Yeah, I didn't have any trouble. But like, I, I get you don't see the lobster, but yeah, I was just really that as like disgusting, unknown fungal growth. Okay, like, and I, it does look revolting in there. Yeah, like, yeah, because part of me wondered if there was a bigger thing in there mm. that he closes to seal in that we never really see, which would also be a horror movie trope that there's yes, that, that there's the actual one. big scary yeah. thing we never see we just see the response of the scared characters because we do then see spike's face looking horrified and sweating yes. <laughs> that was uh Pashan and i watched it yes last night and we were both absolutely <laughs> like rolling around with laughter at that, <laughs> that point of his because it, it's just shot so seriously and yes. played so straight him <laughs> like Probably looking more distressed or scared than he's ever looked in the show before. <laughs> yes, yes. And really, all that we think he's looking at is is a mouldy lobster. <laughs> but, I mean, we've all, again, had that thing of opening the fridge. Been like, hmm, something doesn't smell quite right. Rummage around a bit, rummage around a bit. Uh, <laughs> and you feel your fingers and you look at what it is. And you're like, oh, Sorry, what no. are you doing in your fridge that you're having to reach around and not know what you're touching? Well, because there's other stuff in the way. That's that's how that stuff gets left there, isn't it? That you've got other stuff and then there's something organic and then you get to the back having moved jars around and you just feel a, a squelch before uh, you okay. see it. I thought you were blindly reaching in past the jars rather than taking the jars away so you could see. I'll be honest, that is what I do. I mean, that's a risky approach, isn't it? Yeah, you'd have thought I'd have learnt by now. <laughs> um. You're, well, I mean, you should learn from Spike's lesson. That's true. Maybe this episode was just designed for me. Yeah, just for you. Um, <laughs> uh, I haven't got to Spike's lesson no, quite yet. No, we haven't. But yeah, we will. Um, <laughs> and yeah, the the use of the the Penderecki music here is really... Um, it is ge- genuinely, again, quite unnerving. Like the, the camera rotating around him as his eyes widen with horror. Yeah. As his realization goes on. Yeah. And, um, and then he quite quickly goes into serious plan mode hmm. where he's very solitary because obviously everyone else is incapacitated. So we get shots in the meantime of, of all three of our um, bitten people. Hmm. Although we see Ed's legs kind of floating in the air, but we don't see yeah. more than that. What did you think at that point when you saw Ed then? Um, I was a bit confused. It became obvious that they hadn't been bitten a bit later. Mm. So at that point, I wasn't sure if I'd somehow missed them being bitten. Because if the narrative did include Ed being bitten, then to not include them in the rest of the the same search and rescue that mm. every other character gets would be a strange thing to do but having now i'm thinking about it now spike just doesn't go looking for ed yeah. at all doesn't get, seem to care yeah yeah and, and ed apparently doesn't seem to care either really no as we find out later ed is just asleep yeah 
Just just having a nap. Perfect time for a nap. Yeah. And uh, Spike turns off the gravity. Yeah, and sets up the autopilot. That's probably the most hardcore alien reference is that there's... I cannot think of any reason why setting the autopilot on a ship, it would be the setting that you cannot then change it to something else. Yeah. That seems monumentally stupid. (laughs) Apart from the only reason why that's there is because in Alien, there's a point where Ripley sets the self-destruct on the ship. And that has a thing where it's like, once you get past a certain point, you won't be able to shut it off. Mm -hmm. Which that makes more sense because it's like, Clearly, you're doing that in response to something drastic, and also the process might have gone too far. Yeah. But here, it, it's just like, yeah, let's just have that reference. Yeah. There. Yeah. And it also, it seems like one of those setups for, you know, if it's like the prequel to an apocalypse. Film, yes. Wherein, oh, this is how the evil monster aliens reached Earth, or in this case, Mars. Yeah. Because of of these idiots who locked themselves into an autopilot that meant they carried, they they were just incubating these horrible creatures that then arrive at a planet and, yes, cause devastation. It seems like a prequel to an apocalypse movie. Hold that thought till later. Okay. (laughs) If you will. <laughs> I actually this this is a, a tangent, but I um, I did a virtual reality game on Saturday. Okay, and that is literally part of the story <laughs> as well. That you're you're on a spaceship that's been abandoned and they don't know what's gone wrong. So you're there to you know your mission is to find out what happened and bring the ship back. And as part of the narrative, yeah, you're you put the coordinates in so that the ship can return to Earth. And then uh, as you return to your cryopod chamber, you see the awful zombie creatures, you know, floating uh, around in the ship. And now you're in cryo and you're on your way back to Earth. So disaster is on the way, humanity. And that, that was the end of the, the game. That sounds like much more narrative thought than has been put into any VR game I've played. <laughs> um. It was of the ones that I've tried out. It is my favorite. Yeah, that's a really good ending. Yeah, <laughs> and it also in no way spoils the, the game. Mm. But that yeah, that concept is in my head as well because of being in the game. Yeah. So anyway. No, that That's cool, and we'll definitely return to that once we wrap up the narrative. Okay. Spike has Spike, set... Yes, has turned off the zero gravity. For some reason, he hasn't put on a spacesuit, even though there is one on the ship. <laughs> um, and yes, the unconscious people float up, the fridge floats up, and we're, we're kind of cutting around and getting a lot of information very quickly. And then you're given kind of a second to register. Hmm, that's where the thing was, but it's not there. It's not there anymore. There's a hole where it was. Oh, is that... Wait, oh, what, in the side of the fridge? No, uh, so you see the burn mark on the wall where Spike incinerated the creature, but there's a hole in the middle, so the creature is no longer there. Oh, I think I missed that. Ah, okay. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, I, 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 I don't remember noting that at all. Oh. That I guess I just... That's a shame. It's <laughs> a really good oh shit moment. <laughs> well, because by that point, I was just thinking there's more than one of those things on the ship. Yeah. Well, there there might be as well. Yeah, there's no... Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, I missed that and I watched it twice as well. Oh. What a shame. Mm. But Spike, anyway, Spike is using the lack of gravity to assist him in moving the fridge to an airlock and prepares to open it and then realises just as the fridge floats past his face that the creature is on the side of the fridge mm. and jumps at him and gets him and gets him oh no gets him good it does so spike um well having no other choice georgie by the way when she said gets it good it does that is the voice georgie does for every 
non-upper-class character in every D&D game we play. Oh, shut up. <laughs> like you, go into, you go into a tavern and she's like, can I take your order, sir? <laughs> oh, no, me dad's been kidnapped. <laughs> I don't know how to feel right now. <laughs> I like doing a Cockney voice. I know. <laughs> Everyone has the stock voices that they do naturally, okay? I know. I know, but what kind of friend would I be if I didn't mock you for yours? Yeah, all right. <laughs> as long as you don't bring up the fish thing. <laughs> I think we should just not explain and move on. Yep. Yeah, we won't explain the fish incident. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Too busy dealing with the lobster incident that's going on on the Beepop. Yeah, although you never see a lobster ever. No, that's true. No, but the, the black, squishy, tentacle monster seems to infect Spike. And the and in the ensuing panic, the fridge carries on floating and bounces off the airlock hatch. Yes, which Spike was probably planning to open before he got bitten, but it's too... Yeah, yeah. And as, it start, and as a result of that impact, the door of the fridge starts to open, which I interpreted as there's more things in there to get out. Again, we'll touch on that later. Right. Um. Um, yeah, so then Spike starts panicking and quickly prepares to open the airlock, does so, uh, and you get an exterior shot of, of this big door opening out um, to, yeah, make the airlock do its thing and then as the fridge is continuing at the moment to float back up towards spike he then propels it back down so that it floats out of the airlock and spike seems to be able to withstand the forces of opening an airlock into open space that doesn't seem to affect the gravity at all within that you know little pocket no because it's it's only because he's clinging on for dear life that he's not sucked out yeah but the the, but the fridge should have just been sucked out immediately I guess, yeah, that is weird that he has to then kick it. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the the physics here, as is often the case, yep. not entirely as expected. It's definitely more dramatically satisfying, though, to have him have to, oh, yeah. have to push it out. Agreed. And have yeah. his yeah, strength tested like that. Yeah, and yes, and it floats out into space. Um, and that's when we get Spike's lesson, <laughs> which is the most poignant, the most valuable and impactful. Well, uh... So should we do one of us say the dub and one of us say the sub? Because again, I think they're kind of interestingly different. Yeah, there's yeah yeah there's quite a lot more to the dub. Uh, yeah, I'll do the sub one. Yep. Um, you shouldn't leave things in the fridge. That is the lesson. And then, that's it. That's that's the lesson. Yep. Yep. That's it. That's all you get. And Don't leave sh- things in the fridge. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then in the dub, and what was the real lesson? Don't leave things in the fridge. Boom, 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 boom. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and then the Blue Danube kicks in. Oh, no, it's not the Blue is Danube, actually. No, um, it, this is Waltz of the Flowers by Tchaikovsky, but there's probably a reason why you're thinking of the Blue Danube. Okay. It is, it's a very similar sort yeah, of... Yeah, it, it is a very yeah, similar Yeah, because it's sort of like a... There's like a nice sort of twinkly bit of melody, and then you get some flutes chiming in. Yeah. In, well, in the Blue Danube, you do anyway, and that's my recollection of of what you get from this one. Yeah, I mean they're both they're both waltzes, they're both orchestral waltzes. What's in this one is Waltz of the Flowers by Tchaikovsky, and then yeah, the Blue Danube by Strauss is in a scene in two thousand and one, A Space Odyssey. Ah, okay. Which this is kind of 
parodying mm. so, which we'll move on to in a second i guess first we should discuss the lesson i shouldn't have started singing the, <laughs> and derailed us yes yes so as we know that is a very important lesson we should all take with us into into our lives to not leave things in the fridge it's wasteful it causes a lot more effort for you to be cleaning up later that's true um, it can result in the release of dangerous fungal and or mammal carbon-based creatures i'm sorry do you think a lobster is a mammal no no the word mammal came out and then i replaced it with carbon-based <laughs> creatures you're gonna have to put that in the edit <laughs> you're not getting any carbon-based in, in, in a world like in this universe <laughs> things aren't from earth anyway so who knows if they're carbon-based um yeah, I guess this this is explicitly a Ganymede rock lobster. Yeah, well, so. it's only called a Ganymede rock lobster in the dubbed version. Oh, yes, you're right. Yeah, yeah in the sub, just they just say it's a lobster. lobster. Yeah. yeah, which I thought was an interesting little ad as well in comparison to the two things. Yeah, maybe they, they wanted to make it more to, for you to credit that just leaving a lobster in the fridge for a year would... Allow, would <laughs> Uh, <laughs> have this particular set of consequences. Yeah, but yeah, I the difference in the dub and the sub. Yeah, is it's the that is the lesson formulation in the sub that Spike uses. Um, so he just says you shouldn't leave things in the fridge. That is the lesson. Mm. It's the same formulation that all the other characters, well, that uh, Faye and Jet have used to end off there. So it kind of seems like I'm just adding my two cents in here. This is mine. Mm-hmm. Whereas. And what was the real lesson? Kind of implies. <laughs> this is actually the only lesson worth learning from yeah. this episode. <laughs> um, there's kind of a, a thing of Spike encountering some kind of monstrosity or weird experience and then almost pointedly refusing to learn from it or refusing to say if he's learned anything more from it. Because mm. in at the end of Sympathy for the Devil as well, he's when... When says, "Do you understand?" He says, "Like I do," you know. Yeah. So it's almost kind of yeah. This either actual refusal to learn or refusal to let on what he's saying. Yeah, yeah. Which which tallies again as with all of the lessons. It makes sense for Spike's character that he'd say something that way. Yeah. Yeah. That it it speaks to his um sense of yeah. He wants to be mysterious and and dark. Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't want to learn lessons and and provide a sense of education to anyone at all. No, he wants to be cool and interesting. And just say the most obvious thing and see if there's anything anyone can yeah. gain from it. Yeah. And and also just make a bad joke. Hey, it's a great joke. Is it? It's very funny. Okay. Do you, you didn't find that final line funny oh i i think it's funny in the context of everything but but if if i was there with spike you know as his comrade i'd be just like dude that was like that was shit <laughs> oh f- fair enough yeah <laughs> no it's a great capper to the episode but yeah i mean would you really though as to a man who's about to pass out from being exposed to the vacuum of space this could potentially be the last thing he hears and you're just going to tell him that was shit mate <laughs> <laughs> well i'd be a true friend to the end that's how I see that. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. As it's gliding out into space with the fridge spiralling and, and the door opens more. And then we have like whatever's been inside the fridge is is evaporating, disintegrating and becoming space dust, spiralling delicately around as, as the, the fridge rotates. The 2001 scene that this is referencing, you've also got a spinning scene. You've got a, a space station spinning that are kind of a... 
space shuttle that's like a commercial airliner is docking with. But the whole thing of that scene is you've got all this very technically difficult space stuff which is going on as if it's a matter of course. Like you've got, you know, this very staid and controlled sense of space travel. Whereas here, you've also got spinning, but it's wild spinning, just throwing these little stars of chaos into the universe while... Yeah, it doesn't appear chaotic, though, because with the music, mm. it, it it appears to be very graceful and beautiful mm. to look at. Yeah. But you also see the chaos in inside the bebop of, you know, again, it's timed with the music so that it seems kind of elegant, like Faye drifting across the screen with a serene look on her face. But everybody's just kind of drifting around, yeah, surrounded by stuff. Yes. Yeah. It, yeah. People are just wandering, not wandering past, floating past the screen in those little interludes with the music that match up nicely. It's a very long moment, and that is the biggest musical feature of the episode. Oh, yeah, definitely. Is this. And yeah, and the fact that it's not an original piece of music is a big aberration. Yeah, it's very unusual to have something that everybody will recognise, you know, prior to... Like, even if you don't know what the piece of music is called, you you recognise it when you hear it. It's one of those kind of ones. And, of course, we have Ed being... A bigger monster than the monster itself. (laughs) Yes, as we have uh, discussed a few moments ago, Ed has just been having a nap and the creature is squelching it over to Ed. And then Ed just picks it up and eats it (laughs) and then says, ah, I'm too full now or something like that, which they also say right at the beginning of the episode. They say the same thing. Oh, do they? Yeah. I didn't notice that. That's a really good catch. You mentioned you didn't find the episode scary. I think at this point, the episode has done everything possible to undercut any kind of fear. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, and it was also, it was in that moment where I've seen Ed doing that, that I wasn't sure still if that means that Ed was bitten and had just kind of been left in that state wherever they were and managed to retain enough energy to roll over and eat something, or if it meant that they were recovering from being bitten and everything was actually going to be okay. Or if somehow eating the monster was the antidote to being bitten by the monster and therefore they would go and share that knowledge with all the other people who've been attacked. But then ultimately it became clear that they'd just never been bitten and that this monster could have been destroyed by just picking it up and eating it. But who knows why it didn't attack Ed? Yeah, I wonder whether it was trying to, um, but just, I mean, it's still in zero G at this point, but maybe it just never assumed anyone would try this. (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's it's unclear whether or not this creature is sentient yes so it could just be wandering around and nibbling things as and when yeah it seems to have some kind of instinctive intelligence but not maybe not sentience we don't really know Mm, um but yes that was you trying to figure out a how do they get out of this how is this resolved yeah do you want to say anything about that actually before you start i will just tell you when the next episode starts there is no explanation that everybody's just back. There is no explanation whatsoever given as to right. how they're still alive. Right. I think in that, I mean, I don't mind that there's no resolution because I've, I'm now used to the idea that these episodes are capsules in many ways. Mm. And if they don't have conclusions that you see, it doesn't always matter because the main point of the episode is sometimes just to be a, a parody or a pastiche and that is all that you need to take from it rather than there always needing to be a resolution to a story. 
Okay, so it doesn't doesn't really bother you that much. Not that anymore. Not okay. <laughs> I think there are some episodes where I have. I think one of the previous ones that we talked about. I can't remember which one it was. One of the last two, and being frustrated that there wasn't more to the story. Hmm. Sometimes, but yeah, I think because this one, you're not attached to the storyline because it is so. None of the characters take it seriously. Hmm. Whereas I think it was the one, yeah, when we've got the backstory of Jet, the elegy for um. Which one is it? Ganymede Elegy. Ganymede Elegy. That yeah, with that one, there's a lot of poignancy and interesting, complex human discussion mm. that you could continue to discuss for a really long time. Yeah. And there could be more to the development of the characters and all that kind of stuff. Um, whereas with this one, you don't learn anything about these characters. They are all static through this particular episode. Mm. Nothing changes for anyone. I'm not sure I'd quite agree that you don't learn anything about them, but it, yeah, it's not, they don't develop in this episode, they're just kind of there, but you kind of maybe get to know them a bit just by this being very much an episode where you're just hanging out with them. I guess, but I didn't learn anything new about anyone. Hmm. I guess it kind of contributes to the sense of familiarity rather yeah. than new new information. Yeah. But, yeah. but yes, so I guess the simplest explanation for why they're all okay is Spike programmed in the ship to land, it lands, they get help. Or they just, or it's just this infection is something you can shrug off. There's various yeah. ways you can kind of go. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah my could. my first thought would just be that. Yeah, it's just it's a flu that you will get over. Mm. Um, so really, they didn't need to panic. <laughs> yes, although maybe they did. There's another show which Shinichiro Watanabe created called Space Dandy, and this is created well after Cowboy Bebop, but. That show is extremely continuity light, like much more so than this one, to the extent that in the first episode of Space Dandy, spoilers, it, spoiler alert if anyone hasn't seen it and is planning to, in the first episode of Space Dandy, everybody dies. And then they're just back the next episode and there's no explanation really given as to how. And the episodes will frequently end like that. Like there's one where everybody ends up as zombies or so in some way the universe will be changed in a way that you would have thought would have permanent consequences. Mm. Um, and they also talk about in Space Dandy the idea of parallel universes and traveling across universes. So yeah. there's kind of a. Um, You're given a reason in that way. Yeah. Yeah. But I was wondering whether it's possible to interpret the ending of this episode as this is just a separate universe in this episode and they do all die. So just going back to what you were saying about has the ship now set up a horrible plague for the rest of the universe where yeah. they're going to kill everybody? Yeah. I mean, possibly. Possibly in this universe. Because, you know, you've got the fridge spinning out, kind of spreading spores of whatever's yes. alive in it yes. across the cosmos. And the ship itself is going to land on Mars, which is highly populated, and there's nothing anyone can do about that now. Yeah. And this fridge actually shows up in an episode of Space Dandy. <laughs> they, they encounter it briefly at the beginning of one episode. And as you hinted at, there is another creature in it. Uh-huh. Uh, Interesting. I like that. I like little Easter eggs and things that yeah, yeah, people can use to talk about those things. Yeah, and I like I like the idea of yeah with with Space Dandy of of having all of these narratives that maybe they're all in the same universe, but maybe they're just different ones. And the the possible conspiracy theories that people like to come up with when it with TV shows and things that have prequels and connected universes, like you know the the Pixar universe conspiracy oh, yes, theories right. that kind of stuff i love it people are trying very hard to find things to connect and then the makers of those films have started putting things in them 
and yeah. yeah it's great i love it to just fuel fuel the feverish fire. imaginations yeah i like it very much <laughs> and of course this episode comes up as the end it doesn't say see you space cowboy in the final text oh yeah which again i hadn't think. registered that difference yeah well the thing is i mean that is undermined moments later by the preview of the next episode we're obviously getting a preview of another episode and, and we're seeing all of the characters or at least most of them i think during that sequence and yeah the, the voiceover for the preview is ed saying and so they all died um and thanks for your support so far watching everybody turned out it's quite a short series next time there'll be an episode of ed the space cowgirl or yes. something like that <laughs> <laughs> I'm the main character, yay! And then the other three voices chirping and going, hey, what the hell? <laughs> this, we're still here. There will be another episode. And mm. then Spike, the final bit of voiceover, is Spike going, there really is another one, or something like that. Yes. Because he seems almost desperate, though, as if he's not quite convinced of that. Um, <laughs> I do. Which... I think the, the voiceovers of all of the previews they all undermine the seriousness of whatever the plot might or might not be. They are almost always a bit more comedy to them. Or you've got the characters talking as themselves, but self-aware in that meta way. And, and obviously that's all of the, what you're hearing. But visually, there's a lot of stuff going on. Oh. Um, yeah, so we've got, I've forgotten his name, but the bad guy from Ballad. Uh, Vicious. Vicious. Yeah. So Vicious is back. So we are back to, in air quotes, the crux of the story arc hmm. that Cowboy Bebop appears to be following. So that's exciting. There was a lot of things happening action-wise. They appear to be wearing a lot of thick coats, like they're somewhere very cold, maybe. But as is always the case, I don't know what that means. Hmm. <laughs> I think this one more than any other, I was more... I it's it's very distracting. Like what they're saying is kind of completely takes you out of what's on yeah. screen. And I think it's made it's one of the funniest jokes in the series. I think, and it's made even funnier by the fact that uh, there's this beautiful kind of melancholic saxophone piece playing under as Ed is going, and so they all passed away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, we haven't though done rankings. Okay. Right. Where is this one gonna go? Hmm. The thing is, I've really screwed myself over with the previous rankings because there's nothing that I can easily compare in terms of the I don't know if if we were if I if I had just ranked them in terms of which has the most depth. Yeah. What has yeah the level of complexity of the narrative and what you learn about the characters and how well it's put together and all that kind of stuff. That's not what I've got here. What I've got is a hodgepodge collection of of me going. I liked it when the dog was being chased. That was fun. Mm. Um, and then, oh, this one has nice music. Oh, and this one has has really good character development. But then also, this one was just kind of shit because of all of the anti-feminist stuff. So I'm going to put that down the bottom, regardless of what <laughs> what was happening in the narrative. So I don't think it's fair to blame yourself for that. Like, though, it's just a show that throws lots and lots of different stuff at you. So mm. yeah, I guess really what we're saying is our ranking system is kind of meaningless because you're, <laughs> you're comparing apples with oranges. Yes, that is what it feels like. But I think broadly what I'm doing is just going by order of enjoyment in, a, in its yeah. broadest sense. Okay, so where would I put Toys in the Attic? Why is it called Toys in the Attic? That's something we haven't really talked about. 
They're the, normally they're quite often named after things that are song titles and things, but that's not that it, doesn't sound like a song title. It is a song title actually. Oh, okay. It's a song and album by Aerosmith oh. from 1975. It's not a very good song, I think, <laughs> honestly. Okay. Um, the album's kind of more interesting. The album has "Walk This Way" on it, so it has. Oh, everyone knows that one. That, yeah, but "Toys in the Attic," the song I kind of hear and go, "This sounds like what you would think of if you just said imagine a 70s song." but with nothing interesting beyond that. Mm. I guess it's just kind of a creepy name. Yeah, it sounds like a horror movie title. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually different from... The Japanese title is Night of Heavy Rock. Oh, those are two very different things. Yeah. It's very unusual. Usually the titles are pretty much the same English and yeah. Japanese. Night of Heavy Rock. Which I don't think fits at all, to be honest. No. Well, all I can think is Rock Lobster. Which they I do guess. say it's a Ganymede rock lobster is what they call it in in the dubbed version. But that's only in the dub. Yeah, so not in the sub. That doesn't one. even connect. No. So yeah, pff, that's that's the only thing I had there. I feel like you're stalling because you don't know where to put this. Oh, one. I don't know where to put this one. <laughs> okay, I think I would put it. Uh, I'm gonna put it. It's quite low down. I think. Mm. Um, I'm gonna say after sympathy for the devil. So it would go into seventh out of 11. Uh, okay. After Sympathy for the Devil. Yeah. Want to give you a reasoning? No. <laughs> um, yeah, if I'm going purely on the enjoyment aspect, then I'm just thinking, I'm just looking down the list going, did I or did I not enjoy that more or less? Yeah. And I think I remember thinking that Sympathy for the Devil had more complexity and interesting things going on with the characters. And yeah. Honky, Honky Top Women, just where it is in my ranking, stands out as my benchmark for shit <laughs> <laughs> so it has to go above that yeah i think we, we definitely agreed it's better than honky tonk women yeah i was i was wondering how you'd because this one more than any other is just chock full of sci-fi references yeah. which i know isn't really your genre it isn't i mean i have watched some sci-fi films and i enjoy sci-fi films more than i do sci-fi books mm. so, and there was definitely and i understood a, quite a lot of the references definitely not all of them mm. But yeah, that that doesn't put me off. So you didn't feel alienated. A. So you didn't feel alienated by it. <laughs> you just lent into it this time. Yeah. <laughs> no, word. I did not. I did not feel alienated by it. Mm. I'm going to put it quite a lot higher than oh, you. Okay. I really enjoy this one. Yeah, I just I like that it's a hangout episode where you hang out with the characters mm-hmm. and. I think maybe even if you didn't feel directly alienated by it, because it's making fun of genre, mm-hmm. I think I probably find it funnier as a send-up of particularly the alien films, but also like sci-fi horror and stuff. And yeah, and that makes sense. Yeah, and there's lots of little things in it that make me feel happy. Like there's a little Star Trek ping that the the space console does, which is like, oh yeah, that's from the original series. Oh, yeah, right. um, <laughs> yeah. There are definitely there are notes that I definitely picked up on that that I enjoyed. But yeah, as, as someone who's not hugely into sci-fi yeah it, it didn't land as much yeah and it does so few of the things you're used to that i guess yeah the the pared downness either works for you or it doesn't it's not ganymede allergy good i'm not putting it that high i'm torn over whether i like it more than ballad or waltz for venus oh, both really? of those. yeah i really really enjoy this one it just oh, makes okay. me laugh so much and like have a warm feeling as i think about just being with the characters on it no i'm gonna put it below both of those but that's that's where it'll slide in. So into fourth. Into fourth, yeah. Sliding into fourth. Yeah, I think 
for all that the lack of music was very effective for this episode in kind of giving you a sense of being alone in space, I can't find it in my heart to put it above ones where I really love the music. I think I'd agree with that as well. Okay, yeah. rankings done. Georgie, do you have anything left to say? Mm. Are there any characters we haven't done an impression of? The Corgi! We haven't done an impression of Ayn. Woof! Okay, Georgie has given her deepest and most profound thoughts. Woof! So after that, there is nothing left to say except see you, space crustaceans. Oh, I like that one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's, nice that's and solid. Pretty, pretty pleased with that one. Yeah. Cheerio! If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email us at realfolkreviews at gmail.com, look up our Facebook page, or find us on Reddit at u slash therealfolkreviews. Thanks for listening.